Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more info, you can check us out on Facebook at Life Church of Columbia. Man, what a what a way to start off church. Would anybody agree? So amazing what God is doing in his house. The funny thing is that you would expect it to be like that all the time because it's his house. (laughs) But for some reason, it hasn't been like that all the time. And I'm just thankful that his house is getting back to that. Uh, It's so amazing. The, there's quite a few things that I have pressed upon my heart that the Lord has put there that I want to share with you, but I first want to give honor to the mother and father of this house. Can you give it up for your pastors, <laughs> Dean and Patty? As well as their family, um, we are just... We are honored to be connected with them. We are honored to even be here. Um, It's something that I would have never have thought when I met them back in 2019. I met Papa Dean back in 2019 and didn't meet uh, his lovely wife until a few years later. But never would have thought we'd be here ministering at his church and, and being a part of what God is doing here. And it's just an honor to be here. I'm here with my lovely wife. She's sitting her here. Her name is Patty as well, so it shouldn't be too hard to forget. Uh, so we both got Patties, amen. <laughs> um, and as well as our youth pastors, they came uh, up here last night too, and they're here with us, and they're excited about what God is doing in the youth. Uh, Pastor Josh asked me what the message was, and I wasn't too sure on what the title of what was going to be, but I just titled it, His Presence is the Priority. The, the amazing thing about what is going on right here and what has already happened in this church service is I, I don't even feel the need to preach. There's nothing that we can say or there's nothing that I can say that hasn't already been said today. There is nothing that can be pressed upon you in which y'all don't already know. And that was the hesitance of me accepting this invitation to preach on Sunday because I thought to myself, Lord, what do you say to a church that's already experiencing all that you are? What do you say to a church that is yearning for revival and might not even realize that they're in it already? What do you say to a church that's hungry and thirsty after righteousness? What do you say to a church like that? Lord, what do you want me to say, Lord? I I want to be there, and I want to leave a deposit, and I want to uh, uh, say something they can grab a hold of, and something that they can can keep with them, and something that will help propel them in their walk with you, Lord, but I don't know what to say. (laughs) And I was thinking about it this week, and I actually had to take a trip on my own. Uh, It was a two, four-hour drive, and I had to do that just to get away with the Lord. And he pressed upon me something to say, and I said, Lord, that's not anything fresh or anything new. That's actually something that you gave me for our church back in November. And he said, yeah, 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 I know. 
And, and I said, well, why would you want me to say that? Just don't worry about it. Just say it. And so that is where we got the title from. That is actually our declaration in our church. Only we personalized it. We say his presence is our priority. And that is how we start off our church service, by declaring that his presence is our priority. There is nothing else when we come into the house of God. There is nothing else that is more important. There is nothing else that should be uh, highlighted. There is nothing else that should be lifted up. There is nothing else than seeking the presence of the most high God. There's nothing else, church. Nothing else. And so when I was asking the Lord, I said, I want something new and fresh. He said, this is what you're going to give them. <laughs> and it was very hard for me to do that because I started thinking, well, some of the best messages I've ever brought forth were hearing other people's messages. And then in the middle of it, Lord, you stop and start speaking to me. And I'm not tuning them out, but I'm no longer listening to them. And I'm listening to the spirit of God. And he began to, he began to uh, share something with me. And, and listen to this very closely. Administer to me. Hopefully it will minister to you. Because everybody wants something fresh. And everybody wants something new. And he told me, he said, Arnold, every time my word is spoken to somebody, it does one of two things. It initiates or it confirms. It initiates or it confirms. And he said, you take my word. I was not speaking to you. I was speaking to the people of that time, yet it speaks to you in the conversation that I had with them, and it will initiate something inside of you, or it will confirm something inside of you. And so that is all the Word of God does. It initiates, it will initiate a spark or a flame that will turn into a fire that will burn so bright and so deep. Or it will confirm something that you were thinking that you knew or you were thinking that God might be saying. And then all of a sudden the confirmation comes from the word of the Lord. And so I am here to do one of two things. I'm either going to initiate something in you or I'm going to confirm something that you already feel is going on in this church. His presence is the priority. As we have begun the church service with, with that, that's so amazing that you did this because actually our worship leader had contacted me about two weeks ago and asking, because we're in a transition, and she said, you know, what if we don't put the instruments on the stage? What is that going to look like, I told her. I don't know. The Lord has just been dropping something in me. And what if we don't do that? I said, well, if the Lord's dropping it in you, let's do it. And this is what it's going to look like. It's going to be awesome. Man, <laughs> let's go for it. But I want to talk to you about two people, two kings. And we might talk about a third person, but there are two kings in the Bible that I feel encapsulate this, uh, this declaration that his presence is a priority. Number one is King David, obviously. And number two, we're going to talk about another king that came after King David that the Bible actually says was actually better than King David. And I thought to myself, man, Lord, that's a, that's a pretty strong declaration. The Bible actually says after this king, there was none before him nor none after him. And that includes David. Man, how many of you know we should look about what that king actually did? 
But I love the fact that David, and I know y'all have heard this, so this is going to be the confirmation, okay? Y'all have a great preacher in the house. You have a great apostle in the house. So just humor me and act like you're learning something. Okay, so we have David. David, who is the man after God's own heart who's the man that the Bible, that most men's conferences are, are, are structured uh, around because David is the man, of a man's man. How many of you would uh, agree that David is the man's man? David is the epitome of what a man of God should be. Take apart the sin part. <laughs> you Just exclude that. We don't want any man to do any of that, but we want the heart of David to be in the man of God. And that is to have a heart after God. And so David in 2 Chronicles uh, he, he, he makes this statement. He says, man, there is something that is missing. And he says, you know what? There, when was the last time that we inquired about the ark of God? When was the last time that, you know what, there's been something that has been missing in our midst, and I think I know what it is. And so he brings all his, all his leaders and all his commanders, and he says, if it seems right to you, you know, we haven't really inquired about the ark of God until the days of Saul. And if it seems right to you, I think we ought to go back and get the ark of God and bring it back to its rightful place into the house of God. Yes, Sounds like a lot of churches today. And so... He says, if it seems right to you, and they all agree, you know what, it seems right. Up until this point, the ark of God had been in the house of Abinadab for over 20 years. Bible scholars believe it was in the span between 20 and 40 years. It had been dwelling in the house of Abinadab. And he says, we need to go get back the ark which made us so successful in the first place, we need to bring back the presence of God to its rightful place. And that is in the midst of God's people. And that is God's people uh, uh, having reverence to the, to the ark of God. That is God's people lifting up the presence of God and making it the priority. It seems right to us, David. Let's go get it. And then we pick up in 2 Samuel If you would open your Bible, that's going to be one of the main passages we're going to sit in. 2 Samuel chapter 6. First Chronicles 13.3 is where David inquires about the ark. If you ever uh, get confused like I do, I wonder why 2 Chronicles always goes back and, re and reiterates uh, what we read in First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings, Kings, the Chronicles are more detailed stories about the kings of Judah. So if you ever want to study about that, you go in the Second, First and Second Chronicles, and it'll give you more detail. And so, Second Samuel six, it says again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, thirty thousand, and David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal, Judah, to bring up the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts. This is a New King James Version, who dwells between the cherubims. So they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on a hill, and Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God. And Aho went 
before the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord of all kinds of instruments of fir, wood, on the harp, string instruments, tambourines, and on uh, sistrums and cymbals. And when they came to Nacom's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused, aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error. That is what the New King James Version says. And he died there by the ark of God. And David became angry of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah, and he called the name of that place Perez Uzzah to this day. David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not move the ark of the Lord until the, until. David would not move the ark of the Lord with him until the city, into the city of David. But David took it aside into the house of Obed-Enam the Jittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Enam the Jittite three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Enam and all his household. Now it was told to King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Enam. And of that belongs to him and all of that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. Verse 13. And it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. And when David danced before the Lord with all his might, David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and the sound of the trumpet. We'll stop right there. It's a lot of scripture. And David begins to dance before the Lord in a linen ephod so much without any recognition or without any uh, 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 form of recognizing who's looking on him without any uh, embarrassment without any shame he gets before the Lord and he strips down what he is identified with he strips down of how other people look at him he lays down the titles he lays down the uh, uh, every all the accolades he lays down everything that he has accomplished before the Lord and he gets rid of it and says before you I am me and me is all that you want so I will give you all that I am not all that I've done but all that I am not all that I've accomplished but all that I am not all that I failed to do but all that I am in this moment I am gonna lay down everything that I am and dance before you unashamedly and people get upset matter of fact his own wife gets upset and she, the Bible says that she despises him in her heart and says, oh, look at you, the king. Didn't you have a good day? You decided to derobe, undress before all the maids and the maidens and all the servants and everything. And you decided to make a mockery of yourself. And he said it was before the Lord. My concern was not who was watching. My concern was that I had the presence and I had the audience of the Lord. And so there was nobody else that I saw. And he began to worship God. 
in the way that God intended to worship. How do you know that? Well, 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 how did he make Adam and Eve? The Bible says that they were naked and unafraid before the Lord. Yet when they sinned, they cover themselves up. And from that moment on, people worship God with a covering on them. And so David is literally taking back the heart of worship and how it was intended to be in the Garden of Eden and stripping off the coverings that people placed on him. And now worshiping the Lord in the intentionality that God intended all along. All because he had a heart for God's presence and he said we need to get back to what we were supposed to be doing in the first place. But the Bible says, as we read, that his heart and his intentions were good. But he did something wrong. His heart and his intentions were good, but he did something wrong. He had the sons of Abinadab carry the ark of God on a new cart. He had them transport the ark of God on a new cart. And the heart of the church today was right. The heart of the church today has been right. They've just gone about it in the wrong way. They, 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 they've created a new cart in a form of worship to make people comfortable and convenient. They've created something new and said, hey, we're just going to keep the worship to 30 minutes because then we'll lose the attention of everybody else. And so we keep it to 30 minutes, that'll be the new way. Hey, we're doing worship, but it's only going to be kept to a time frame. And so the new cart was implemented. The, pa the posture of the heart was right. But how can we do something that will attract people? How can we get people to come? How can we... Mix in a little bit of worship with a little bit of entertainment to keep their attention span. Let's create a new thing. Let's create a new thing. Let's, let's, you see, they were having a parade when they were ushering in the presence of God. They were having a parade and everybody was dancing, but yet they were transporting it on a new cart. They weren't supposed to be transporting it on a new cart. They were supposed to be carrying it themselves and ushering in the glory of God. And we've replaced us doing it ourselves with things on a stage and lights and all of these things, and we've created a new cart. And then when you go out and we, we're thinking that everything's going right, all of a sudden the new cart, something happens and something falls and we try to extend our hands out to cover it, to catch it, to get it, to grip it. And then God comes out and gets furious with Uzzah, Uzzah, however you want to say it. And David gets upset and it says the outburst of the Lord comes upon Uzzah. And he names that place Perez Uzzah from that day forward. You see, there is something transpiring in the realm of the Spirit with God's church today. 
There is something happening where God is sick and tired of the new thing. God is sick and tired of the new cart. God is sick and tired of the things that we've replaced that were, all, were never supposed to be replaced. Of the things that we've instituted that were never supposed to be instituted. Perez. Uzzah means the breaking forth or the breaking out. You know, uh, Judah had a son called Perez, and it means break out. The God of the breakthrough, Perez. And Zara, everybody know your Bible. Judah, the son, or had two sons. They were twins, and they were wrestling inside of them. And one stuck his hand out, and they wrapped a scarlet thread, and then the other one pulled his arm back, and then the other one came forth, and they called him Perez because he broke through before he was supposed to come out. It's the same word. Perez, Uzzah. God was literally upset and broke through the new thing. God was literally upset because we chose to, 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 to replace the anointing with the parade and carry and say, like, look at this. This is this. Come over here. It's attractive. It's attractive. It's attractive. Come on. Come on. Come look at what we're doing. It's a new thing. And then God does that with David. He kills the new thing. Perez Uzzah means... Breaking against Uzzah. What did the Bible say? Uzzah and Aeho were the sons of Abinadab. Where had the ark been for 40 years? In the house of Abinadab. So what was he saying? I am breaking forth breaking out against the complacency of which they have required because the house had been housing the presence of God for 40 years and now they have become complacent. They have become used to the very thing that people died for. They had become used to the very thing that the children of Israel would parade around. They had become used to the very... Have you ever caught yourself being used to the anointing and all of a sudden it's irreverence? Remember the Bible says that they were there and therefore their error, he died. That's the same word. That Paul uses in 1 Corinthians to say that many of you take of the cup and blood for your irreverence. That word error means irreverence. So God literally says because of the irreverence that Uzzah had, because he was so used to being around the presence of God, God broke out against Uzzah because of the complacency that he had with the presence of God. It is so hard. To not get complacent when you've been around it for a long time. But it is your responsibility to not become irreverent because you've been around it for a long time. It is your responsibility to come like it's the first time you encountered Jesus. To come like it's the first time that you gave your life to Jesus. To come to an altar and let the presence of God pierce your heart like it's the very first time. Because not God gets upset because of the irreverence of the way 
You handled my presence because you were complacent. Because you had been around it for 40 years. And so what does that word mean? Perez Uzzah. The breaking of Uzzah. What did Uzzah represent? What was. So if you bring it all together, the Lord is literally saying, in this day, in this time, I am literally breaking what was. How church was done. How church was operated. How church people saw my presence. How church people responded to my presence. I am so sick and tired of them just having a facade and them playing games. I am literally going to break what was and get back to the heart of how we were supposed to be. It's a confirmation. It is happening. Not just in, in churches that we see on television. Not just in churches, man, if only our church can be like that. Your church can be like that. If only we can get to that. No, you can be like that. As long as you could just make his presence your priority. That is all that God wants. David said, one thing have I desired, and that one thing that I seek for, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord and behold or in, and look upon his beauty. How do you have those encounters like it's the first time you behold his beauty? You look at him, and eventually you will become what you behold. If I could just keep looking at him, if I could just keep there. Paul says, I forget those things that are behind me, and I look and press toward the mark of the high calling. He had to look where he was going. That's why Paul was always on fire, because he kept looking where he was going. He kept beholding the beauty of the Lord. And David says, that's one thing. As a matter of fact, another chapter, a uh, little bit, God says, you know what? Seek my face. And David's response was, your face, Lord, will I seek. My heart, as a matter of fact, he says, my heart says to you, your face will I seek. The heart, the heart, the heart that, that, that yearns for God. The heart that has a hunger that nothing can fill. The heart that has a thirst that nothing can quench but him. That's all. And David says, man, we got to go back. We got to go back to that. We have to put the presence of God. We have to go back to what our fathers did. As a matter of fact, our fathers, I remember Moses when God said, uh, uh, you, you got to go over here. And Moses made the statement in Exodus 33. He said, if your presence doesn't go with us, Lord, I don't want to go. If your presence doesn't go with us, I ain't going nowhere. I don't care if your word says that. If you don't go. And if I got your word, but you're not with me, that sounds like a lot of churches today. They got the word, but he ain't with them. And he says, if you give me the word, I better make sure that your presence is with me. Because if it ain't, I don't want to go nowhere. If it ain't, I don't want to go anywhere. It doesn't matter if you tell me to sit here, stay here, sit here. As long as you're with me, I'll sit for all eternity. As long as you're with me. I'll do whatever you want. And that is what David goes back to do. And so we have the breaking of the mold that God is doing in today's church. 
We have the hunger of what God was expecting when he said, I will be your God and you will be my people. We have the hunger that is rising up inside the church that will not be satisfied with just a good word, three fast songs, three slow songs, let's take the offering and let's go home. No, we have people that want to linger in the presence of God just like Jesus did when they said, when they left them behind the word. I love the New King James Version. It says that he lingered in the temple because he was not satisfied with the tradition of them just going to the temple for three days. I wonder if there are some people in here that is not satisfied with the tradition of just coming to church on a Sunday and that is willing to linger in the presence of God. And that is so, that's so contagious when there are people that are so hungry that want to linger no matter what it looks like. David says, man, no, whatever it looks like, God, I'm going to go back. I don't care who I got to fight. I don't care what I got to go through. I don't care what I got to do. I need to have your presence in the center of our focus from here on out. We need to go back to what, we were, what made us successful. They used to parade the presence of God even before a battle. And the presence of God would come in the ark of God before the battle. And they knew that if the presence of God was there, they were going to have the victory. They knew that if the presence of God was in their forefront, that everything was going to be okay. It's the presence of God. That's all it is. The presence of God. People say, well, we need the word of God. Every time I saw somebody encounter Jesus, they were in his presence, they always got the word. But every time that I've seen the word poured out, I, I didn't always see the presence. I didn't always see the presence of God. I saw the word ministered, but I didn't ever see the presence of God come. I didn't, I didn't, have, I didn't see that they would give them an opportunity, to give God an opportunity for him to release his presence. They would just say, that's a good word, and walk away. But every time somebody got in the presence of God, they got the word and transformation happened. They got the word and freedom happened. They got the word and chains were broken. They got the word and bondage was destroyed. It was all in the presence of God. It was all in the presence of God. And David says, man, we got we to gotta make the presence a priority again. We got to make the presence a priority again. We got to. And then you transfer, or you go, not transfer, but you go a little bit further. And let me talk about a second king. If you would go with me <clears throat> to second Kings 18. This is now after David has already gone on to be with the Lord. And David instituted making the presence a priority. And yet somewhere along the line, man got back in going back for that new cart. Somewhere along the line, they forgot that the presence was all the most important thing that, that the church and the people of God and the people of Israel were supposed to be captivated by. And then kings came. And they started 
building new things and they started making the temple, uh, uh, making it look beautiful and they started instituting uh, uh, new things and new, new laws and new orders and they started worshiping new idols and they said, man, let's go ahead and let's paint the temple this way. Let's go ahead and let's make it look beautiful. Let's go ahead and let's put some new lights on. Let's go ahead and slap on some new paint. Let's make it more modern. Let's make it more this. Let's make it more that. And then all of a sudden there's a king that comes in that the Bible says, like I said, in 2 Kings, uh, he trusted in the Lord, verses 18, verse 5 and 7. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor who were before him, including David. For he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept his commandments what the Lord had commanded Moses. So he goes all the way Back to Moses, where Moses said, if your presence doesn't go with me, I don't want to go anywhere. So the Lord was with him. He prospered him wherever he went. He is talking about King Hezekiah. And then we pick it up in 2 Chronicles 29.2. It says, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father David had done. So we had David institute bringing back the presence of God. And now we have Hezekiah down the lineage, down some kings. There's a lot of things that have transpired, but now Hezekiah says, you know, man, we've got to go back all the way to where Moses was. We've got to go back all the way to how Moses thought. Even when Joshua was there in the tabernacle or the tent, when Moses was there, the Bible said that God talked to Moses as a friend face to face and that he would leave. But then after he would leave the tent, that Joshua would linger in the tent. He would linger in the tent. What's that word again? Linger. It's like kind of like what we were doing earlier. We don't want to leave. We just want to linger in the presence of God. That awkwardness, well, what do we do now? I don't know. Linger. Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What is it? Why, why? This kind of looks weird. Well, do you want us to strip down the ephods or would you rather take this? I would rather take this. Okay. Okay. Stop making it weird. I would rather take this. So Hezekiah goes back. He said, we, we got to do what our father David did. In the first year of his reign, 2 Chronicles 29.3, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. I'll give you a little bit of time to get there so you can see that I'm not making it up. In the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. He repaired them. Insinuating they were broken. But yet, at this time, the temple had looked the most prettiest and the most beautiful. Because they painted it. They did all these things. But yet, he had to repair what looked good. He had to fix what looked good. 
He had to fix what was pleasing to the eye. He had to fix what drew people to them. He had to repair them. Hmm. Verse 4, then he brought the priests and the Levites, and I feel like this is the word for your church today. Hang on. Then he brought in the priests and the Levites and gathered them in the east square and said to them, Hear me, Levites. Now sanctify yourselves. Sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers and carry out the rubbish from the holy place. Carry out the trash from the holy place. When we repair the doors, we're going to have to go a little bit deeper. We're not just going to repair what people see on the outside, but we're going to repair what we see, what's going on in the most holy place in the inside of us. We're going to take out all the trash that's going on in the inside that nobody sees. We're going to take out all the trash that was put in there. How can we, how can we uh, uh, carry a church? How can we draw people? How can we sustain a church? How can we do this or how can we do that? How can we grow a student ministry? How can we make people feel comfortable? That's all the rubbish that was put on by churches unaware, unknowingly. And Hezekiah says, we're going to take all that out. We're going to take out all the trash. We're not going to just repair what people see on the outside, but we're going to fix the inside, and we're going to get back to what David used to do. We're going to get back to what our fathers used to do, where it didn't matter what it looked like. It didn't matter how it sounded. All that mattered was that the presence of God was in the midst of his people. All that mattered was the presence of God was there and the glory would fill the temple. That's all that mattered. And he says, let's take out all the rubbish. Let's take out all the trash. Verse 6, for our fathers have trespassed and done evil in the eyes of the Lord our God. That sounds like the church. Our fathers, the people who went and the pioneers who went and tried to make all these big sanctuaries and try to make all these big things and try to just draw people with, with things that sounded good. Not to, not to, not to uh, uh, get them upset or not to rub them the wrong way. And so they watered down the word because they wanted people to come because if we preach the true gospel, people won't come. Yeah, yeah, we're going to get rid of all that. We're going to take that out. We're going to take the trash out. That's trash. Don't dilute the word. Don't, don't, don't let what God said and try to put a little twist on it to make it easy for the palate. But take that trash out. He says, we're going to do all that. For they turned their faces away from the dwelling place of the Lord. The dwelling place. God's presence was supposed to dwell in the temple, and they took themselves away from the dwelling place of the Lord. Man. And they turned their backs on him. Verse 7, for they have also shut up the doors of the vegetable, which is another room in there, not vegetable, but vestibule, but on the lamps and have not burned incense and offered burnt offerings uh, in the holy place of God, Israel. Therefore, the wrath of the Lord God. Uh, therefore, the wrath of the Lord fell upon Judah and Jerusalem, and He has given them up to trouble, dissolution. For indeed, because of our fathers have fallen by the sword, and our sons and daughters. And He says, "Now it is in my heart. It's in my heart, and I feel like this is the heart of your pastor. Now it is in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel." He makes a covenant with the Lord God of Israel. 
Now it is in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel. It's a lot of scripture. We won't read it all. But he says to make the Lord God a covenant for us to go back to where David was, for us to go back to where Moses was, for us to go back to having a heart after the presence of God, for us to go back. And then verse 16, it says the priests went, or 2 Chronicles 29, 16, the priests went into the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it. The priests went into the outer, or the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it. Now, I have had the pleasure of talking to Papa Dean on the phone, and I know this is what he's been doing. He is the priest of this house, and he has gone into the, 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 the inner parts, and he's saying, man, I will not stop until we get back to having the presence of the Lord fill the temple. I will not. I, he, he even makes a statement. I feel like we've been doing Christianity all wrong. And he doesn't know that I'm smiling on the other side of the phone and thinking, man, I have been feeling that way too. I feel like we've been doing all the years and all the time of spending with the Lord. I feel like it really hasn't been anything compared to what he's showing me. I told a man back in 2020, I made this statement and people looked at me crazy because I saw the Lord in a way that I had never seen him before. And my eyes were open in a way that they had never been open before. They had, they had been open when I gave my life to him when I was 12 years old and I dedicated my life from that moment on to know him in a way that I had never known him. And all the way up until I was 35 years old. I was 34, going to be 35. He decided to reveal to me just who he was in a way I had never seen him. And, uh, and have the presence of God come and interrupt my way of being in a way that I had never known him before. I remember when I gave my, my life to Christ the first time. I remember walking after I had prayed the prayer of salvation. I literally felt like I was floating. I was walking because a weight had been lifted up off of me. And I was walking like on clouds. And I told my mama, I was only 12. I said, Mom, something happened. She said, I know, baby. No, no, no. Something happened. You don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, they were just saying, no, but you're, you're 12. You're just a kid. Like, no, no, no. I know something happened. And yet... The feeling that I felt back in 2020 was so far greater than the feeling that I felt when I first gave my life to Christ. And I started making the statement, I've been born again, again. I've been born again, again. Because I finally feel like everything that I had experienced had really not really mattered because I seen the Lord for who he is. And it was at that moment that I said, Lord, your presence is going to be my priority. And then a year after, I would become the lead pastor of our church. And I would say, Lord, how are we going to do this? How do I get what you've told me implemented into a people that don't know this? You're just going to keep preaching it. You're just going to keep doing it. You're just going to keep operating. You're just going to keep operating. You're just going to keep doing it. 
And we started to see it shift. And in November of 2021, I became the, the lead pastor in June 2021. And in November, in November 2021, I made this statement, his presence, his presence will be our priority from this moment on. It's a catchy phrase. <laughs> but the heart of it, his presence is our priority. Hezekiah says, let's go back and let's clean out the temple. Let's go back and let's take out all the rubbish. Let's go back and let's take out all the trash. Let's repair the doors. Let's take out all the trash. And as the Levites were in there, they were cleaning out the temple and the inner parts. They find these things that were there that the king Ahaz had put up and shut away. They said, hey, King Hezekiah, we found these things that were in the inner part of the temple that were locked up. They tried to hide it. But since we went in there, we cleaned it, we cleansed it, we found these things. And these are the instruments that our father David used to use. And he said, what? Yeah. He said, okay, let's go get those instruments and let's restore the instruments of old and let's go back to the heart of what God designed for us to be as a people, that we would be there and we would make the, the declaration that his presence is our priority. And if you don't go with us, we don't want to go nowhere. And if you're not there, we don't want to be there. So they get the instruments and they start going and they clean them up and they start playing it. And then something happens in the church, in the temple. As they start playing the instruments and as they start ministering before the Lord, the Bible says that King Hezekiah restored the order of the temple by restoring the instruments of the Father, by going back and saying the presence of God is the main thing that we want. And the Bible says that they begin to bring offerings to the temple. And King Hezekiah is so overwhelmed, and he starts getting the priests. Only the offerings were so overwhelming that the priests could not receive it because there was so much. And this is where I, I feel like the Lord is really putting the, the word of God in. And this is a word for church, life church here in Columbia that God is getting ready to do. Because you're restoring the instruments of old, and you're putting back the presence as a priority, there is going to be a time and a place. We're not just the king or not just the priest, but the regular people. The Bible says that the Levites had to stand up. The Levites were just the original laymen of the church. Because there was people seeing what was happening in the temple. There was people feeling the presence of God again. There was people being drawn by the presence of God. It almost reminds me, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. It almost reminds me of that scripture, that if the presence of God is a focal point and we lift up just his presence, that all men will be drawn unto him. And then we will have what Hezekiah experienced. We will have people coming from the highways in the, in the courtyards and they will be coming to bring sacrifices. And it's going to be so much that Pastor Dean and Pastor Patty and Pastor Josh aren't going to be able to handle it. It's going to be so much 
that the pastoral team isn't going to be able to handle it because they have put back and brought back the presence of the Lord back in the church. It's going to be so much that they are going to look and they are going to say, wait a minute, we can't have this. We cannot contain this. And they are going to look to the Levites, which are the laymen, which is you, which is all of you. And you're no longer going to be looking to them to handle the presence of God, but you're going to stand up and say, hey, we are capable of handling the presence. What do we need to do? As a matter of fact, God made an exception once the presence of God was restored back. Because at that time, only the priests could handle the sacrifices. At that time, only the people designated can handle the sacrifices. And he made an exception. Go get the Levites. But God, they're not priests. I know. But there are people sanctified, set apart, that have a heart after me. Go get the Levites. And he's saying, in this church, you are a people that are sanctified, set apart. And you're going to be the ones that are going to help to bring in the overabundance of what is going to happen because presence of the Lord is the priority in this place. The presence of the Lord is a priority. And the Bible says that he restores the order and the priest couldn't handle so the laymen, the ordinary people, the people that didn't have the titles but had the heart. The people that didn't have the, 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 the training of the priest, but they had the heart. The people that didn't look at themselves as nobody but had the heart. They begin to handle the sacrifice and they begin to take part of what God wanted and what God wanted to do in the people of God by bringing the presence of God back. They begin to offer sacrifices for themselves. They begin to pull on the heart of God. They begin to do the things that were required and, and, and have God look upon them and said, you know what, I know the law isn't this, but I'm willing to make an exception because I see your heart. I'm willing to make an exception because I see your heart. Thank God, the Bible says in the New Testament, now therefore you are now kings and priests and royal priesthood. You are now God's peculiar or special people. You are now that. So now we don't have to worry about God making an exception. He expects it to be you. He expects it to be you. He expects it to be the, or, the, the ordinary people. He expects it to be the layman. He expects it to be the children's school worker. He expects it to be the student ministry. He expects it to be the students that cry out and offer the sacrifices and stand in the gap. He expects it to be y'all. The difference in the similarities, the Old Testament. And now God says, hey, once you restore the instruments of old, but once you bring back my presence as a priority, watch what I do. Watch what I do. Watch what I do. 
there is going to be such an overwhelming abundance of people coming. There's going to be such an overwhelming abundance of people saying, I don't know why, but I feel like I need to give this. Well, you know what? I don't know why either, but we'll receive it and we're going to put it to work for God's kingdom. I don't know why I feel like I just got to give my time. What do you need me to do? I don't know why either, but I feel like it's the Lord, so you can go ahead and do this. There are going to be people that are going to not know why they are drawn to the place, but it is because of the presence of God. Is because of the presence of God. Man, I, I, I'm excited for y'all. I am excited for y'all. Second Chronicles 30, verse 12. God does this, and this is what God is going to do in this church. He's already begun doing it. So I said, I don't feel like well, I should have even preached. It's confirmation. It says, also the hand of God was on Judah to give them singleness of heart and obey the command of the king and the leaders at the word of the Lord. God is getting y'all to get in the singleness of the heart of your pastor. And he is intertwining y'all to have one desire. And one thing that I seek and one thing that I look for, and that is to dwell in the presence of the Lord in his house and to inquire in his temple and to behold the beauty of your beautiful Savior. That is to behold the beauty. That is to say that when you say, seek my face, my heart cries out to you, God. There's no other face I want to seek. There's nobody else I want, to, I want to please. There's nobody else I want to look to. There's nobody else that I want to cling to. There's nobody else, God, but you. The Bible says in Psalm, in that same Psalm, that God is looking for a generation, O Jacob, a generation that seeks his face. The new cart was a generation that sought his hand. That was where the church was at. Now we're restoring the instruments of David. Seek my face, my heart cries out to you, God. Your face, Lord, will I seek. It's no longer your hand. It's no longer what you can do for me. It's no longer what you can give me. It's no longer bless me until my vats are overflowing or my barns are filled. It's no longer bless me coming in and bless me going out. It's, Lord, what can I do for you, Lord? How can I minister to you? When David put the order back, he set all the priests to minister before the Lord 24-7. And they began to minister, and they would stay there, and they would begin to minister, and they would stay there in the glory of the Lord would fill the temple and Hezekiah does the same thing he gets the instruments to tell him you're going to minister so the glory of the Lord can fill the temple again so the glory of the Lord can fill the temple again I didn't know if I was going to share this but I do want to share that I, I, I believe so you could, that's the Old Testament praise God you know your history pastor okay let me go to the New Testament we have the very presence of God on the earth in the New Testament. 
And he is invited to be the guest of honor in a house. And you have two separate people, two women that are there. And you have one with the right heart. Both of them have the right heart. One of them has a different heart. They see it differently. Both the right heart see it differently. And one of them knows that the glory of the Lord is about to show up in their house and the presence of God is about to be in their midst. So she tries to make sure that everything is right. She tries to make sure that everything looks good. She tries to make sure that everything is laid out before him. Because after all, the glory of the Lord, we're expecting the glory of the Lord to come. And he has answered our call. And he is coming. So i got to make sure that this is all ironed out. That the, that the linens are set. That the, that the instruments are all look nice. And that everybody has practiced. And that everybody sounds good. And everybody has done these things. And that we are so versed and so rehearsed. Because we've got to host the glory of the Lord. And then you have this other one that knows that the glory of the Lord is coming, and when it gets there, she falls to her feet. She falls to her feet and just stays there and just keeps looking up. It sounds like, David, one thing that I've desired, and that one thing will I look for, and that I may dwell in your house and inquire and behold the beauty. And she's just there beholding his beauty, and they're crying, and they're soaking in the presence of God. And then you have the other one trying to host the presence of God. Both have the right heart. One's doing it wrong, according to Jesus. Oh, but that's the new cart that the church has been fixated upon. we got to make sure that we host it right. we got to make sure that the glory of the Lord is comfortable. we got to make sure that we build up an environment, and this got to have the A's, the B's, the C's, dot the I's, cross the T's, to make sure that we have cultivated a, a culture that God can himself come in. And we get caught up in cultivating it instead of enjoying it. We get caught up hosting it instead of relishing in it. And, they, and Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you're worried about many things. Mary, she's chosen the best thing. And this will not be taken away. She has made my presence her priority, not what comes with it, not what comes and invites me or draws me, but she has literally made my presence her priority and does not want to leave. That one thing, David, one thing have I desired. That one thing will I seek. She has chosen the best thing. It's almost like it was a continuation of what David instituted. And now we see the very presence of God come in the New Testament. And Mary restores the instrument and the heart and the posture of David. And Jesus says, this is what I want. This is what I want. So get ready, Life Church, because that is where you're at. You are at the feet of Jesus.
making his presence the priority. No longer doing or having church. You are no longer saying, what are we going to preach on today? But you are saying, God, what do you want from us today? God, what are you saying today? God, how can we be at your feet today? It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter how it sounds. It doesn't matter if everything is perfect, God. But we want you here, and we want to be at your feet. We want to be at your feet. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I know the majority of that is confirmation. But there are some people that need to have that initiate. Initiation in this place because you're still on the sidelines and you're still kind of like, oh, man, I think they're going a little overboard. Or you're saying, man, I wish I could be like that. I wish I could be like them. I wish I could go and be that. I wish I could. You know what? God is saying, man, let's just strip down all that we are and let's just get rid of what you think church should be like. Let's just get rid of how you think you should respond. Let's just get rid of how you have been responding. Let's just get rid of all that and let's strip down to like David taking off the priestly garments, taking off who you are, taking off your accomplishments, taking off I'm a worship leader, taking off, I'm a student ministry director, taking off, I'm a children's uh, 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 helper, I'm a usher, I'm a this, I'm a that. Why don't you strip that down and say, God, before all of that, I'm just somebody who hungers for your presence. I'm somebody who hungers for your presence. Can we get the keyboard? there are going to be people in here too that are going to be stepping up as the Levites stepped up with Hezekiah. You're going to be stepping up and say, Lord, whatever it takes, I'll do it. Whatever it takes to have your presence come in, whatever it takes that I need to do, to get prepared for people coming and the sacrifices coming and the offerings coming and those that are all going to be coming, Lord, I'll be the one that is going to step out. I'll be the one that's going to be there. I'll be the one that's going to help my pastors. I'll be the one that's going to help the vision. I'll be the one that's going to help propel the church, not just this church, but the body of Christ to get back to what we were supposed to be doing all along. I'll be that one. So there are two people that need the first person. I, I got to be the one to strip off that that pride, strip off that that shyness, strip off that that hesitation, strip off 
opinions of what people are going to think of me and just be free like David before the Lord. Just be free and dance before him and, and, and have a heart after him. You'd be amazed what happens when you have a heart after somebody. It'd be like when you first started dating. You didn't really care about what anybody thought of you because your heart was after the person that you were with. That's why the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. He didn't care. And so if that's you today, you say, I'm that person that I need to strip off. We want to just give you this opportunity to stand up and we're going to pray for you. And then the second person, the second type of people are going to be the ones that are going to stand up and say, hey, I'm going to be the Levites. I'm going to be the ones that are going to help our pastors. I'm going to be the ones that are going to step up and, and take uh, a rightful place and be there and get ready for what God is going to do. So those two group of people, if that's anybody in here, I'm going to invite you to stand up right now. I know y'all operate like we do at our church, so... I'm going to ask you if you're standing up to just make your way to the altar and you are going to make a declaration to the Lord today. If you were the first group of people that said, you know what, I need to, I need to strip down all that I think, all that's, that's getting in my way. There, there's, there's things, you know, the Bible says in, in Colossians that we were made enemies by the enmity, we were made, by enmity, we were made enemies of the Lord in our own minds. A lot has to do with your mind. I guarantee you, if you can just win this battle, you wouldn't be one of those people that says, I could never dance like that. I could never shout like that. I could never give my all to God. Yeah, you can. It's just all up here. If there's anybody in here that was for that first part, just can, could you raise your hand so we can know? Hey, we got one, two, all right. Got a lot. And so that is going to be the prayer that we're going to pray over you. And then, so I assume the rest of y'all are the second group of people that says, I want to be the one that's going to help. I want to be the one that's going to step out because I know God has called me to be a, a royal priesthood. I know God has called me to be a king or a queen. I know that God has called me to be his own special people. I know that God has called me to do those things, so I'm going to step out. So right now, as she is playing, I want you just to begin to just cry out to the Lord right here. Too many times we, we wait for men to do things. Don't, don't, I, I'm nobody. The special guest is Jesus. And so if it's you, say, Lord, I want to be stripped of all that's holding me back. 
I want to be stripped of all that's, that, that's, that's, that's keeping me grounded. Father, I want to be lifted high for you, God. I want, to be, I want to look at you and I want to gaze upon your beauty. And I want something to move inside of me that's going to cause all fear to leave me. That's going to cause all nervousness to leave me. That even if I'm shy, even if I'm, if I'm, I'm, if I'm, if I'm uh, that's not my personality, God, it doesn't matter. Moses couldn't talk and he says, I'll be your mouthpiece. Peter was somebody who ran away from the Lord when they asked him, are you his disciple? And then that same Peter is the one who stood up boldly after the day of Pentecost and declared, yes, with the boldness of the Spirit of the Lord, he began to tell everybody. So yeah, you might be shy, but he's not. second group of people just begin to say, God, I make the promise to you right now. That's exactly what I was going to say. Father, I decree right now that today I live worthily of the high calling and I present myself as a living sacrifice to you, holy and acceptable before you, blameless. For this is your reasonable service, said Paul. This is the least act of your worship that you can do. The least act of your worship you can do is to present yourselves. He says that's the first and the simplest thing you can do. And so today, let that be your declaration that today I give myself to you, Father. In the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you right now. In the name of Jesus, Father, we anoint all these people right now, God, for whatever of the groups that you have. Yes, Father, in Jesus' mighty name, just begin to worship the Lord and begin to make those declarations on your own. settle. Yes, Father, in Jesus' mighty name, we thank you, Father. sacrifices. of God. Oh, there it is right there. 
Father, we thank you for priests. Father, for somebody that's going to say, I'll do what needs to be done. Jesus, mighty name. Jesus, mighty name. Father, we thank you. Yes. instituted was ministering before the Lord. So let's take this time to minister before the Lord. I know we've already done so, but let's let's close out the service. Ministering before the Lord. It's not what we can get from Him. It's not what can be done. It's not if we can feel a touch. It's how can we minister before you, God? What do you want for me to do, God? Do you want me to cry? Do you want me to kneel? Do you want me to stand? Do you want me to lay? Do you want me to give you all that I have? Just do it. Father, we thank you for the fresh anointing. every move of God is the same, but this is a, the interwovenness, the intertwining. Making y'all all a heart after the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Life Church podcast.